Oh man, are you excited to be in the house of the Lord today? Oh my goodness, something good is in store. I believe something good is coming. It always does. The Holy Spirit never lets us down. Is that right? How many of you want the Holy Spirit to show up today? I do. That's why I brought my sweat browser here. I make sure of that as well. You know what? Um, one of the things, there's do's and don'ts that we learn about in life, but middle schoolers, I need to remember to let you go. <laughs> if nothing else, I am consistently forgetting that. Middle school, if you're here middle school, please rise and join Pastor Kylie and Justin in the back, and you're going to be headed off to our gymnasium complex and have an awesome, awesome time over there as well. Goodbye, so long, c'est la vie. But as I always say, please do come back. You're a tax deduction. Your parents would be lost without that. <laughs> All right. Who has never, ever heard me up here before? I apologize now. I apologize now. No, we have so many of you parents that are here with us visiting as well. Uh, your kids are up here on stage with VBS. We at Parkway, we want to say thank you so much for entrusting us and the privilege to minister to your kids for the week. It was truly a blessing. Pastor Bethany and her team, they all worked so hard. But all those kids, I, I was greeting them every morning as they would come in. And they were like, man, they can't wait. They're just so excited, you know. Had a couple of boys roll out of bed. They got bed head going on, but they're not going to miss, you know. So it was pretty exciting stuff. So we just want to say to many of the parents, thank you so much for allowing us the privilege to just get to know your kids and love on them as well. So that was pretty cool there uh, on that. You know, there's do's and don'ts of things uh, here as we're going to get ready to talk about. You know, like one of the things is Duana was made sure, do not ever point me out when you're up on the platform. So I've never done that. Isn't that right, Duana? <laughs> In case you're not sure who I'm talking about. Right, Duana? So I don't do it, because she asked me not to on there as well. But you know, in the early church as well, there was a lot of do's and don'ts, and there was a lot of made-up do's and don'ts. And there's a lot of, like, we should do this, we should do that. And I'm wondering, does that still exist in the church today? In Parkway Christian Center, there are a lot of people who have opinions. Yes, how many of you, if you have an opinion, raise your hand. If you sit there and say, I have no opinion on the matter, you still have an opinion, you should raise your hand. Everyone's got an opinion about something. But I want to show you up here on the screen, there was a student who was submitting a 15 to 20 page paper in college. And when they were submitting it, you know, your eyes get hard to read. And it says here, to profess faith in Christ is to be united with him. And if we are united with him, then we are united with his body, the church. Pretty good stuff, right? He lost points, though, for spelling. He lost some points. Now, you're looking at it right now, and you're like, I don't see anything wrong. But that's what's there. But I want to show you that spell checker while we trust it. How many of you trust spell checker? How many of you get a calendar out on your phone more than you do just do the math in your head? Anybody? Yeah, we've relied on systems as well. Here's what his system, his word processing did not catch. To profess faith in Christ is to be untied. Are you united with him? And if we are united with him, is this the right one? Oh, go back one then. Go back one more. Can we back up? Is it, are we able to back up one? So we are untied with him. And if we are untied with him, then we are, but we should be united. There was one little variance there as well. And he lost points on that one. But you know, it's just that one little variance that can change the whole meaning or the connotation of something as well. And I found that to be the case here as well. So I wanted to let you know this, that spell checker does not account for idiocracy. There is a, no less thing can help you with that. But it really does matter, though, where you place the eye that made all the difference between united and untied. So I want to ask you, Parkway, are we a church that plans to be united, or are we a church that identi identify we are untied uh, on there? What do you think God's plan is for us? 
He asked us to be united. Yeah, not the airline company because we're not going anywhere. We're right here to make a difference. But we are to be united as a church. But sometimes there are things that can foul that best plan. And it happened back in the days when the first church was being established in, in, in different areas. And we're finding out that those problems can still follow us to this day. If you're not on the lookout for those problems and you don't plan to address those problems, those problems will overtake and consume you. Somebody say amen to that. So where are we going to place the eye in church? So you know what was happening here is there was the church at Philippi. And Paul is addressing the church in Philippi. And he's saying, I, church, I'm asking you, please be of one mind. Be of one mind. Now, do you know some of the reasons that churches have split or shut down? Because of the choice of flowers that were planted outside the church. People were so willing to die on that blade with that, that that whole church splits because of that, because it was a power struggle between certain groups within the church, and it, it just splits the whole church. Do you know there was a church that shut down because they didn't like the paint job that it got on the outside? People stopped coming and people started saying, I'm not tithing anymore because they didn't put the colors up I wanted. So I will show them. I will stop. Well, I guess they showed them the church had to shutter its doors. Is that what God's plan is? Do you think that's united or untied? Untied. It is untied as well. You still paying attention to one? Okay, just checking. All right. He encouraged the church's Ephesus. He said, hey, maintain the unity of the spirit. Now, how many of you have ever had a disagreement with somebody? I need every parent to raise your hand. How many of you have ever had a disagreement? How about this? How many of you have learned that you have disagreements with your spouse, your significant other that you're dating or whatever? How many of you realize that that can come up every now and then? Is that right? Yeah. How many of you quickly realize that you better get that squared away pretty quickly? Or there are prices to pay. Every man, you know the response. I'm sorry. I'll never do it again. What did I do? That's men's approach to it. We keep it pretty simple, you know? Women, we want to talk it out. We're going to be here for a couple hours. The guy goes, there goes my hunting trip, my fly fishing trip, and everything. It's all gone. It's all gone. But you know, in the church of Corinth, one of the things I remember I did a paper early in Bible college, and that was this, is in the, in the community of there, there was the wealthy people, the well-to-do, and they had servants or slaves, however you want to deem that. They had servants or slaves that worked in their household. Now, the church was being established in Corinth. That's really great. I'm going to find out here, like, were they really hitting the mark well? They were faithful to go and gather and assemble as a church. And when they did, it was in the heat of the day, the hot sun. But the church met kind of under this covered area. And so you know what happened? All of the people who had servants, slaves, they loaded up their duties that day so that the, the, the masters could all quickly get the best seats at the church, in the shade, in the cool. And then when the, the, the servants finally got their task done, they would be coming out of breath, tired, already heat going on in their body and having to sit out in the sun, but they didn't want to miss out. They felt so important. So I got to find out, was a church at Corinth united or untied? It was, it was, it was different, right? So what about us? I always tell people, have you ever come up to someone and said, hey, you're in my seat? Did you come to church today and someone was in your seat? We got a lot of visitors today. Deal with it. <laughs> By going to find another seat. It's not that bad, right? That's what I say to do. Deal with it and go find another seat. But here we see the early church in Corinth where they were definitely trying to make a distinction between two groups within the church. The well-off, the haves, and the other ones who are the have-nots. Does that make sense? 
So we see that going on there, but that is, Paul is looking at that and says, that's a, that's a problem. Now, Paul doesn't look at it and say, well, that's a seating problem. Maybe we should build a bigger shelter or let's just build a whole new building. No, he doesn't approach it that way, but he's going to jump in. And he's going to deal with this as well. So we consider our own church, 300 people right now. How do we get along? How do we exist with one another? Imagine if we all had to, sh- had, had to live together for a whole year. And we had to help raise each other's kids. And we had to help raise each other's ailing parents. We would all have different opinions about how that's going to go down. Some of you would be like, "Uh uh-uh, ain't happening. All the men would be down at the river like, yeah, we're going down to pray. Wink, wink. With fishing poles. But you know, we would find that we would definitely have some areas where we would kind of butt heads, wouldn't we? We would be challenged on things. The way we discipline the way we instruct, the uh, thing that, you know, how many of you parents here are the ones that count one to your kids, two, three, you know, the philosophy of that is give them time to make up their decision what they want to do and make the right choice. So they say, do that. With my kids, my daughter, she's, bless her heart, she's 28 now. She's like, my dad never even started counting because he might start at three. (laughs) Or you're just being dealt with because he already went to four and you didn't even know it. So we, we didn't do that with our kids. We thought, you know, always be mindful. Our, our goal is different than maybe from some other parenting skills, but our goal was kids, always be mindful of your actions and what reactions they do. Before you execute anything, think about what it is you're doing. But we, we get them through that, and so that was our, our learning style there as well. But if we are a church of 300, you know, Pastor Jason, uh, by the way, it's his 20th anniversary. So if you want to drop a card to him and, and Brooke, that'd be amazing. But they are away right now and having a great time. Super excited for them. But 20th anniversary, woohoo! The kids are down with grandma and grandpa being spoiled rotten. Yeah, it's all good. Let's go to their house. Shh, don't show that online. Too late, sorry. But here's the deal. One of Pastor Jason's goals that he has, and he shared it with the board, and he wants to grow this church. We have the capacity to do much more than we are doing. We have the capacity to do much more excellently than what we are doing as well. Would you believe a vision to have 1,000 people come through our doors? Get out of my seat. Right. (laughs) Try and find a seat. Wouldn't that be a great problem to have, church? Well, here's the deal. If we want a 1,000 people to come through our doors, what do we need to do beforehand? We got some work to do. Because are we ready to have a 1,000 people today? No, no. We don't have nearly enough leadership. We don't have nearly enough infrastructure. We don't have nearly enough ushers. And in kids' ministries, we don't have nearly enough Band-Aids. I was there for 20 years. I know what I'm talking about. But the deal is this, if there's something you see where we want to go as a church united, we've got at our starting point, we need to be united today in what we're going to do to get there. And every step we take needs to be in unity. No one running ahead of the other ones. Does that make sense? So you've heard that, that movie there, Field of Dreams, right? About the baseball team that says the whispering came out of the cornfield and what did it say? If you build it, they will come. Well, that doesn't apply here because, look, it's built, but they ain't coming. So that doesn't work for us there. But what it is, it says that if you want them to come, plan to have some company. I mean, if you're going to have Thanksgiving dinner and you're hosting at your house, you need better plan for everyone. 
to be there. Everyone needs to have a place at the table or the tables, depending if you're in exile and you're put at the card table. You know what that means. But Paul is challenging the church, be one, be one. And the scripture says this, and if you've got it, it's going to be 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, and he says this. He says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another. Wow, it's not up there. Just pretend, rub your eyes real hard. That you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no division amongst you, that you would be perfectly united in mind and in thought. So Paul is starting to tell the church, I'm appealing to you, brothers and sisters, basically everybody who's in the house, be united in mind, be united in thought. Let's be united in our actions and in our deeds. Now I know that someone sitting next to me is going to have a different opinion, and that's okay. And we're going to talk about that here shortly as well. When people do have different opinions, why is God allowing that to happen as well? But all amongst the problems that the church of Corinth was having, the first one that uh, he wants to address on here that Paul says I need to address is the division of the church. He says because out of that division is where all the other problems are rooted to. Would you agree with that as well? Now, how many of you ever had to share a bedroom when you were growing up in your household? Well, let's take it one step farther. How many of you had to share a bed with a sibling when you were growing up? Oh, man, it was bad. It was bad. My brother and I had to share a bed, and his head was there, and my head was here, which tells you where our feet were. And you let two brothers do that, and you're like, you will find out if your pinky toe will fit up their nose. But as much as I was giving it out, he was giving it right back. So we were certainly divided on things as well about how that we had to do that. We're like, man, this is not my idea of, of, of this. I would love to be divided from my brother right now to another bed on there. But, you know, the problems that flow out from division, if there's division, that's where all of our problems can be rooted in. You see, the church in Corinth, they were divided over spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. They were divided over worship. They were divided over ethics. And it says that these are the results of a much deeper problem. The root of all of it rests in division. I don't like the way you do that. I want to do it this way. And that's a challenge for some people. So check this out. It says here, On the strength of the name of Christ, for there is no other name that commands such attention, Paul makes this appeal to be perfectly united in mind and thought. Now, how many of you know that sometimes it's hard to hold your opinion? Oh, I know I'm hitting some strings right now. I know someone's getting jabbed in the side by their spouse right now. We have strong things that we want to say or strong things that we want to share, but sometimes we need to find, and I believe this with all my heart, that a kind word turns away wrath. And if someone says something that offends me, if someone says something that offends you, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to seek peace. You're going to seek peace with them. You may not like them necessarily, but guess what? You're part of the family with them. I had my brother in bed. I didn't necessarily care for his toe up my nose, but he was still my brother and I loved him and he was part of my family. There was no changing that. We were committed into the family. Does that make sense? In the body of Christ, you are part of the family. There's a reason someone may sit way over here because they can't stand somebody who's way over here, but you are part of the family. You're going to exist. If you don't get it squared away now, what are you going to do when you get to the kingdom, when you get to eternity? You're thinking, playing the odds. Well, heaven's pretty big. I may never run into them. You've got an eternity. You're going to run into everybody. You're going to see everybody. Amen? 
Now, wouldn't it be nice, though, if everyone thought the same way as you or the same way as me? Wouldn't the world be a perfect place if everything saw, everybody saw things your way? Would that be awesome? No. No. Because some people, you know, there's a thing that I used to do in business when I was in training that's called big, scary, audacious dreams. We would tell our team members, go out there and have big, scary, audacious dreams. Now, you sit around a room with a bunch of dreamers, and they start having dreams about, we should do this, we should do that. Some of it can be pretty crazy. Is that right? But sometimes it's good to have those wild, crazy dreams. But someone needs to be reining everybody in a little bit and saying, whoa, let's bring it all together. Let's find the best of everything that's being said here. Does that make sense? And we want to hear from everybody, but we also realize that we cannot do everything for everybody in every way that they want it done. Does that make sense? So when we get to Thanksgiving meal, what are some things that you should have at Thanksgiving? Turkey. Some households say absolutely not. It is time for tortillas. What else do you want at Thanksgiving? Ham. No, absolutely not. We always have some type of a uh, sausage at Thanksgiving. What else do you want at Thanksgiving? Roast beef. Mashed potatoes. Stuffing. So we go to Thanksgiving in China. What are we going to get? Do you know that Domino's over there serves as a topping on their pizza octopus? Yes, you can get that stuff. It is completely different. So when you go to that person's house and they're not doing things the way you want it done or you're used to getting it and all of that, what do you do? Do you pout, throw a fit, vow never to come back and see him again? Or do you like suck it up and chew it down? Now try some. That was a famous saying in my house from my parents all the time. Try some. And like I did, I tried something, nearly killed me. It's a miracle I'm still sitting up right at this dining room table. I went to my wife with her uh, to a family reunion, Kansas. Have you ever been to Kansas? Silo, 25 miles, silo. That's all it is. We were sitting in the backyard and we were having a full-on buffet family style. Now this is the Midwest. And then you ever, you ever have something on your plate, you think you know what it is, but you put it in your mouth, and the moment you do, you realize it is not at all what you thought it was. And I had these apple rings, and I took one, and I put it in my mouth, started to chew, and the whole family's there, so you can't just like be at home like, Bleh! I have it in my mouth, and I like literally remember my wife, I'm like, what is this? She goes, well, there, we have these in Kansas all the time. It's candied cucumbers. Ah! Oh! They candied cucumbers with these little red-hot candies, so it was spicy, hot cucumber thing. I'm like, no, that's so wrong. God, abolish Kansas right now. Take it away. But there are times, though, at that family reunion, I could not spit that out. I had to swallow it. I had to deal with it. I've learned, though, when I go to a family reunion, if ever I go to Kansas again, that I will simply avoid anything that looks like an apple ring, a cucumber ring, or a piece of pineapple. <laughs> I'm not gonna do that. Paul goes on and says this, and he says, my brothers, some are from Chloe's household. They've informed me that there are quarrels amongst you here. What I mean is this, one of you says, I follow Paul, and another one says, I follow Apollos. And another one says, I follow Cephas. And another says, I follow Christ. 
So now we've got a church and we've got four little separate groups that say, I think we should go this way. I think we should go that way. Who wants to be lost in the woods with people that want to go separate ways? It's a classic to a, a B-rated horror movie. I think we should hide in the shed with all the chainsaws. Good idea, let's go. Somebody else goes, no, we should go in the basement where it's dark and scary and we hear strange things down there. But if you are with a group of people and you are lost and they all want to go different directions, how many of you know that sometimes you'll just end up standing right in the middle like, I just freeze, I don't know what to do. I don't know whether to go left, I don't know where to go right. So Paul is talking to this church and says, you all got these different viewpoints. But we need to understand these different parties because they really reoccur. Do some of those things happen in our churches today where people say, oh, I, I believe this. I believe that. I choose this. We all have that. It still happens. Even 40 years after Paul had wrote to the church, it was noted by a Roman author that says, there are still these divisions. And I'm telling you, that which divides us does not go away easily. It doesn't go away easily, does it? Ask any married couple who's had a deep hurt, a deep wound. It doesn't go away easily. Thank the Lord, though, that he can over, help you overcome that, and he can heal all wounds, and he can restore, but it doesn't go away. And so I'm going to talk about four different parties today, and if you've got a pen, you may want to write these down. The church basically is broken down into four types of parties. The first one is the looking back party. The looking back party are the groups that say, I follow Paul. What do they mean by that? Well, Paul planted a church in Corinth, and people really looked up to him. They kind of immortalized Paul like he's the man. He's the original founder. He's the one that we're going to follow. And he becomes the spiritual father to them. But has Paul ever wanted to become the spiritual father to the church of Corinth? No. He said, that's God that you should be coming forward. But they were wanting them. They wanted to, these are the people who want to say, oh, man, I remember back in the day. Does that sound like a church sometimes? Not saying ours, but a church. I remember back in the day when we used to have this, we had revival. We sat on hay bales and tents. And that pastor would come in, fly, ride, fly into town, not back then, ride into town, preach, and we were just so blessed and we were so touched. We need more of that. Now, I'm going to ask you this. Men, you played football. You relive your glory days. Do you dare do anything that you did back then today? Do you sit there and say to yourself, oh yeah, I definitely need to go and tackle some 300 pound linebacker. That's what I need to do. And your wife's looking at you like, no, what we need to do is take you to the hospital because you're already suffering from evidently a concussion because <laughs> you ain't thinking straight. We can't relive our glory days. My wife is not here, is she? <laughs> My wife, one day when I was at work, the very first church we were at Missouri, and we had some wonderful next-door neighbors. We were good friends with them. She decided one day she was going to just try on her wedding dress. Ladies, you ever do that? You ever try your wedding dress on? Well, she did. And is that one of those zippers that's all the way in the back? I don't know how you ladies do it. You're a contortionist. I don't know. Men, we'd have like some power tool, like, and the zipper would go right up. <laughs> well, evidently, she put it on, and then the zipper got stuck, and she couldn't get it down anymore in the back when she decided, and she was like, she said, I was struggling because she loves the dress. You don't want to ruin your wedding dress. But at the same time, you don't want to get found out either. <laughs> so she calls our neighbor. She's like, hey, can you come over? Yeah, sure. What's going on? I don't want to say right now, but could you just come over? I need some help. And my wife opens up the door hiding behind. She goes, now don't laugh at me, <laughs> but I need you to help me get this zipper undone on my wedding dress. 
And so that happened there. She was just trying to relive that very romantic, wonderful moment that we had connected and we dedicated our hearts one to another. But the, in that looking back party, though, often there's a hint in that looking back party that it's personality problems, not theological problems, that that group will suffer from. Personality clashes indicate more of a failure or a refusal to let God change our attitudes when we have personal issues. It's more of not letting God change our attitudes. So anyway, those that want to relive those good old days, they will find the process of change a complete threat to them. They don't embrace it. They're not down for it. They're going back and saying, back in the day, instead of looking to the future and saying, my upcoming days and the souls that we will win, they're looking back. The next group is this. They're called the Young Intellectual Party. How many of you like the name of that one? You want to join up? Let me read on. Maybe not so much. This is the I Follow Apollos group. Now, the reason they were loving Apollos, you see, Apollos, he came from Alexandria out of Egypt. A very fine, educated, well-to-do, well-spoken man. Great platform skills. Could really move the people. Everybody looks up to someone like that. You're like, man, that's a... Mo-. Remember Tony Robbins when he used to do his motivational speaking? Big, tall guy, you know, and, and all that. And he was selling millions and selling DVDs and everything. You'd go to his conferences. But you start to look at somebody, and you're like, man, I can really look up to that person. They are impressive. It's like saying that they graduated from Oxford and Yale and then went on and got their PhD at Fuller Seminary. And you're like thinking, they got all the credentials. They got it all. I choose to follow Apollos. But... Even then, some people in the church considered Paul a boring preacher. Now, if I want to remind you, the Bible tells us that Paul wasn't the most handsomest of people. It actually says in the Bible that he was not a handsome person. It says that he suffered from some type of physical affliction as well, whether that be seizures or whether that be a bum leg, whatever. He was not a a picture of perfection and health when you would see him speaking. But here you have this strapping young man here, Uh, that we're looking at Apollos, and he stands up, and everyone's like, yeah, I I like that picture better. I'll go with that one. And we're going, and we're marrying the wrapping paper necessarily, but not necessarily following what the, what's, worry about what's on the inside. He thinks, they say that they credit him as thinking he introduced the intellectual group to the church of Corinth, the intellectual group. Do we have any intellectual people here today? Nobody, oh, a couple of hands went up there, yes. Yes, there's another. Now, now you're all getting on the game. Okay, now hands are going up everywhere. All right, I'm a slow start, but I'm intellectual. There we go. <laughs> the thing is that you notice with young people, young people today, they hate bureaucracy. They have no trust in that system at all. Does that make sense? They really don't. So do we have young intellectuals in churches today? They do exist, yes. So we've identified something about them. The next one is this, the traditionalist party. So these are like the ones that say, I follow Paul, but these are the ones that say, I follow Cephas or Peter in this case. They are the ones that like keeping traditions. They are the one, and by the way, I minister to a group called Traditions. I'm not talking about that group. I just, I, I don't want to get hijacked on Thursday, okay? If you never see me again, you know my group has done me in. But these people that are traditionalists, they have been going to the church for the longest. They have been giving the most to the church. They cherish traditions. In fact, they do it so long and do it over and over and over again. Uh, here's a story. A little girl was one day at the kitchen with, at the hands with her grandmother and her mother, and they're getting ready to, for Easter. They have a great big ham, bone-in ham they're going to make. 
And the mother takes a big cleaver and cuts off a section of the ham and just throws it in the garbage, puts the rest of the ham in the thing and puts it in the oven and starts cooking it. Mom, the little girl says, why do you do that? And she goes, well, I don't know, my mom always did it. And so the mom says, hey, mom, let me ask you, because my daughter's asking me, why did we always do that? She goes, I don't know, we've just always done it that way because my mother always did it that way. They've been doing it so long that they forget why they're doing it and they come to realize the only reason that the great-great-grandmother is doing it is because her pan was too short for the ham to fit in in the first place. Sometimes we get so steeped in traditions of how things should be done traditionally that we forget the reason about what was the reason for the tradition of that. Does that make sense? So we have things sometimes maybe in our family that we've done. Maybe you've gone to family reunions and there's been traditions and you're like, why do we do that at family reunions? Nobody knows, son, just keep doing it. Everyone will be happy. Let me move on here. So Peter, he visits this church in Corinth, or, or if Peter had visited the church in Corinth, I'm sorry, Paul had gone, but if Peter had, he would probably give them the impression that there were certain do's and don'ts. Nothing's wrong with having traditions, but if you no longer remember why you do them, they're really no longer effective. I struggled with, because we have the whole center, a beautiful gymnasium complex, and is dedicated to the memory of a wonderful man who I did not have the pleasure of meeting, but part of the whole family, and so that building is dedicated after him. In the preschool wing... When I was in children's ministries, we were going to remodel the preschool wing, and it definitely needed it. I mean, I'm sure there was lead-based paint. I kept asking the kids, try some. I'm going to watch you for a while and see if it is. <laughs> I know. And yet, here I am. <laughs> but in the hallway was a picture of a young man. Era was around the 1970s, in which that wing was dedicated to the memory of that young man. And we were going for this remodeling, and I started asking people, and I was kind of relatively, and I'm like, who is this guy? I don't really remember. Who is this guy? Not sure. So who is this guy? I don't even know why you had that picture on the wall. So I did a little experimenting, and I thought, I don't want to upset anybody. That would not be a smart thing to do. So I took the picture off the wall. I walked all the way down to the end of the hallway, turned the corner, and rehung the picture. And we went for several months. I never heard from anybody about it. So I thought, maybe it's safe then for this picture to, maybe it's time to retire this picture. And we have an archive where we do keep everything like that. So we don't throw it away, but we do archive everything like that. And uh, because there was definitely a dream that we had that the God had given us for the hallways down there. And so we wanted to, to see about that coming through. And nobody has approached me about that picture, but I'm sure there are people here who may know who that young man is as well. Keith nodding his head. Yes, chew me out later, Keith. Thank you. On there. But here's the deal, the, the last party, okay? The last party is the anti-hero party. The anti-hero party. <laughs> this is the hardest group to deal with out of any of them. Formed as a counter to any form of human leadership. These people have an issue with authority. Beat the system. Let's, de let's stick it to the man, whatever we want. I love the ones I see right now. How many of you have heard of sovereign citizens? I love watching YouTube videos of sovereign citizens, sovereign citizens who believe you do not have to have insurance and a license to drive a vehicle. I am not driving, I am traveling is their defensive argument. And they try all these things and they go before the judge and try to represent themselves. Some of them are really good at it, some of them not so much. But these people cannot stand this, they don't, they're very anti-authority, they reject instructions, don't tell me what to do. If they had that printed on shirts, that would describe them to a T. Don't tell me what to do. Have you ever had kids tell you that? Don't tell me what to do. Well, 
if they get upset enough, they typically leave and go form their own church. And then they will look for only and welcome only people who are just like them. Now, what are we going to do in a church like this with 300 people? Do we need to welcome everybody? Do we need to be warm and friendly to everybody? All my visiting parents today, were you warmly greeted by people? You weren't? Did I hear no? Oh, no. Hopefully you were. Okay, there will be whippings and gnashing of teeth later on after church today. (laughs) Micah, let's get on that, right? But I want to do this. Paul is sitting there and he's saying, how do we deal with all of these? These four different types. And he says it with three questions that he asked back to the church. And he says, number one, is Christ divided? Number two, what person was crucified for you? And number three, in whose name were you baptized? He's asking those three questions. So we're going to break it down and take a look at each of those, right? So is Christ divided? That is like saying to each of these separate groups, you know, the anti-hero group, the tradition group, we're going to, we're going to take Christ and we're going to divvy him up, cut him into pieces, and you get some, and you get some, and you get some. That is not how the body of Christ is intended to be. Is that right? The body of Christ is a whole part. It was never meant to be split up. It was never meant to say only this or that. But you know what? The churches, they emphasize, some churches are saying, we emphasize the grace of God around here. That's what we're about 24-7 all day long. Someone else says, we emphasize the holiness of God. Everybody, start dancing with us, please. Or they sit there and say, we, we have a real emphasis and a burden for the poor. Now, each of those virtues are all true and correct, but they are never meant to stand alone. In fact, they should all be encompassing into the church, the body of Christ that was created by our Lord and his Savior. We don't have compartmentalism. We have unity. We will each find a way in which we can serve into one of those areas, if not all of them. Does that make sense? The complete package involves all of these things. So I'm going to say this, and I'm going to repeat it, okay? I'm going to say this. We say we want more of Jesus. All of you say that. We say we want more of Jesus. But that's not the real need, people. The truth is this. It comes up on the screen here. Let's see what it says. We have all of Jesus. What we need is to allow Christ to have more of us. You need to write that one down somewhere. Stick it on a mirror. Okay? Write it on your your spouse's forehead or something on there. But we have all the Jesus we need. He's not withholding anything from us, but what he needs is he needs all of us, more of us. Christ is a whole. We are the ones who are in need of wholeness. Now, some groups follow the teaching of a particular preacher. We have people that are huge fans of certain preachers, certain presenters of God's truth, and they are very gifted and they are very talented. I'm not going to bash any of them. But if your whole foundation is built around that person and then they have a moral failing, guess what happens to your foundation? You are hurt. You are deceived. You're like, I'm never going back to church again. Therefore, do not place your faith. Do not, do not set things on the person who stands up here behind this microphone. Look beyond it. That's where you set your foundation on, at the cross. Amen? So, people are fallible. We will and can and will always make mistakes. Everybody in here. Now, I did this before, but look at the person next to you. Maybe your spouse will say, you make mistakes. <laughs> Man, I, did, I threw that out there a couple of weeks. My wife kept saying that to me all Sunday at home. You're not perfect. You're not perfect. So tell you what here. We have found out that not even Paul could encompass the wholeness of who Christ was. He didn't have a complete view of who Christ was. That's why we have four Gospels. We go on and say none of, the, none of the disciples, they couldn't complete it on their own. And we also find out as well that God made us all different in the church. We all are coming together. So when we come together as one, we are more than one. We are whole. We are no longer separate. Was Paul crucified for you? 
He was not. You can do this in your own life. Was blank crucified for you? What can we put in that blank there? Was blank crucified? Was Sunday school crucify you? Was the worship style crucified for you? Was the building program crucified for you? Was a board member? Was a tradition crucified for you? No, you were only Christ was crucified for you. Only Christ. Someone say only Christ. Only Christ. And your salvation is dependent on that only Christ, not on the person somewhere in this building because they're going to let you down. Christ will never let you down. Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Why would you go with something that is not eternal but temporal? Go with something that's a guaranteed winner. I say the odds are pretty good then. Amen? I might be speaking a more of a secular tone there, but it's true. I want to make sure everyone grasps that concept. Only Christ was crucified for you, so stick with that. And only Jesus can unite men. You know what? When you're at the cross, when you're at the foot of the cross, there is no class distinction. There are no intellectuals there. When you're at the cross, it says that there are no charter members there. There's no prestige. When you're at the cross, the traditionalists, you are no further ahead than anybody else at the cross. Because at the cross, we are all standing on equal ground. So I say to you, Church United, we need to be on equal ground. We need to be standing at the cross. I don't want to sit there and say, I got my eyes in that church across town. They're starting to upset me. No, if they are at the cross as well, we are with them. We are Christians. And it is more important to be a Christian than it is to be an assembly of God. It is more important to be a Christian than it is to be a Southern Baptist. It is more important to be a Christian than it is to be an independent. Christianity is the most important thing. To be in Christ, that is the number one thing. Because when we are in Christ, we are united. And if we are united, we need to act united as well. I want our church to save our community. I want the church across town to save our community as well. There is nothing wrong with that. I'm not competing with them. I am working with them. Amen? Let's catch a bigger vision of why God put the church here and what we are supposed to do about that. Oh, man, that was good. No, don't clap anymore. Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Were you baptized in the name of Smith or the name of Jones? No, you weren't. It says that when you're baptized in the name of Christ, it says that you are committing your life to Jesus Christ. You are baptized in the name of Jesus. That's who you belong to. You don't belong to whoever's standing up here worship leading. You don't belong to whoever, who's ever up here preaching. You don't belong to whoever your favorite person is you see on TV. You're not baptized in them. You are baptized in Christ. And so that also means that everything else, including denomination, takes second place to being a Christian. Amen? Let me read this to you as well, okay? To profess faith in Christ is to be united with him. And if we are united with him, then we are united with his body, the church, not untied. Where do you place the I in church? Are you united or are you untied? If you're untied, are you loose from the responsibilities of loving your fellow brothers and sisters? Are you free to push your feelings and your thoughts without concern for others' feelings? Or are you united with the body in which you sit there and say, I will be like Christ. I will take a servant's role. I will make myself less that my church can become more. That's an exciting thing. When you get that concept down and you start living that concept, you are free as free indeed can be. You will find out that, you know what? People are gonna make mistakes. That's okay, I'm here to serve. Let's do better. We'll just keep getting up and do, we'll try it again. How can I help you? And we continue to move people on that. But if Christ is your Lord, then you know that the people of this church, they are a gift to fill in your blanks. You need to get a concept of that. If Christ is your Lord, there are people in this room right now who are here to fill in your blanks because we all have some blanks in our lives. Is that right? 
We all have some things we wish we could do better, or there's some things that we believe we want to do, and yet we, we lack some capability, but I know somebody. How many of you know when you know somebody, you know you're going to get a few things done, right? Ask a contractor. I know somebody. We're going to get some stuff done. So that's the case there. They fill in your blanks. Where you are weak, someone else is strong. If Christ is your Lord and then your salvation of the cross binds you to the people in this room and binds you to the people in Christ across town, you are bound to them and you are called to serve alongside and with them. Amen? I'm excited about that. And I appeal to you, Paul says, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, be perfectly united in mind and in thought. So I pray that you would meditate on that. I pray that you would remember that, that choose to say and challenge yourself this week, if I find myself in a conversation and people are doing nothing but nitpicking about something, that I don't want to be a part of that. Instead, I'm going to choose to be united with the body who is not doing that because that is one of those four groups Pastor St. John talked about. We should be one family. We should be united, not untied ever. Amen? That is the way it is to be. Ladies and gentlemen, let us pray, and then we're going to let you go, okay? My Father God in heaven, I thank you so much for where you are taking Parkway. I thank you for the vision that you are bringing, Lord God, and the, the fresh blow of the Holy Spirit that is coming through this place. Lord, we want much, and, and Lord, we do want to see our church grow, but unless we're prepared to take, to take the first step, there's no way we're going to be ready. So Lord, help us today to be united to take our steps together. There may be things that change, there may be things that look a little different, but Lord, I do not want to be a part of a church that shuts down because we didn't like the flowers that were planted out front. Let us, Father, Lord God, never become like that. But Lord God, let us be united one to another. Help me to realize and see the value of my fellow brother and sister in Christ and the value that they bring and how they complement the body as well, Lord God, the gifts that they bring. Help us, Lord God, to move well beyond ourselves so that we know that it is you and you get all the glory for these things. Help us, Lord God, give us favor in all these days and that lies ahead with us. We praise you and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. We love you guys. Thank you so much. Be safe. Don't forget, tip your servers on the way out. They work really hard. There, are, there is the ushers out there for the offering if you have offerings to give. <laughs>